Hare Krishna. Manchakalpa trubyas chakrapa sindhu bieba chapatitanam babaibyo vaishnavaibyo namo namaha. So now we will continue our brave foray. Foray into uh, Canto 11, Chapter 22, called Elements of Material Creation. Enumeration of the Elements of Material Creation or the Classification of the Elements. And we've, uh, last class, we did one through three in which Uddhava asked the Lord to explain why philosophers have differing views concerning the elements of creation. So that text was translated together. Uh, Uddhava, those three verses uh, as a single uh, unit, Uddhava inquired, my dear Lord, O Master of the Universe, how many different elements of creation have been enumerated by the great sages, the rishis. The, uh, they have. Uh, I have heard you personally describe a total of 28. That's Krishna's own enumeration of the elements. Uh, and then here in the translation, they, they list them. God, the jiva souls, the mahatattva, false ego, the five gross elements, uh, uh, meaning the, the Mahabhutas, the ten senses, the mind, the five subtle objects of perception, the tanmatras, and the three modes of nature. That adds up to 28. Uh, that's Krishna's own. But some authorities say that there are 26, while others cite 25, or else 7, 9, 6, 4, or 11. And even others say there are 17, 16, or 13. What did each of these sages have in mind when he calculated the creative elements in such different ways? Why so much diversity? Oh, Supreme Eternal, kindly explain this to me. So this is an issue always. The experts don't agree with each other. You go to the experts, like you go to a doctor or something, that expert says this, you go the other extra, no, no, that's wrong, it's this, and then you don't know what to do. Okay. So that's the puzzlement. So now, uh, Krishna answers in, from Texas 4 through 9, explains why the, the experts, the, the, the rishis, have different opinions and why it doesn't really matter. So we'll start with text number four. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Four goes like this. Sri Bhagavan Vacha Yuktam Chashanti Sarvatra Bhashante Brahmanayata Mayam Madhyam Udgrinya Varatam Kim Nu Durgatam. Now, Lord Krishna replied, uh, Because all material elements are present everywhere, it is reasonable that different learned Brahmanas have analyzed them in different ways. All such philosophers spoke under the shelter of my mystic potency and thus they could say anything 
without contradicting the truth? This is a very interesting answer. It allows for pluralism. So this is what he says, Sri Bhagavan Nubhakta. Yuktam, this is the word, uh, you know, yuktam means joined or linked, generally, from the same verbal word as yoga, huge, you know. Uh, so it also means fit, suitable, appropriate, uh, and uh, as a... Uh, uh, as as a indefinite uh, as yuktam, it means they spoke. What they did was they spoke fitly or suitably or properly. They properly, proper probably the best. So they 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 spoke properly. Uh, they say here in the, uh, reasonably. Uh, so they, yeah, it's okay. Uh, there's a reason for it. it it's okay uh, uh, because. Uh, Santi Sarvatra, uh, they are uh, present. Santi is a plural for, it means they are. Sarvatra, everywhere. Uh, 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 so they, meaning all material evidence, wherever you go, all of them are there. Uh, uh, and therefore, it's reasonable or understandable, or nothing to be worried about, that they speak, the brahmanas speak uh, uh, in, in, in this way. Uh, uh, and then um, he, he, he goes on to say, uh, all such philosophers spoke under the shelter of my mystic potency, maya madhyam, my maya, under the the Udgritya, resorting to my uh, Maya. Uh, 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 and thus they could say, any, if anything whatsoever, well, anyway, they could speak uh, with, uh, without, uh, you know, uh, contradicting the truth, they, 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 they say here. Um, uh, so the... Uh, uh, the, 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 the BBT purport, uh, they began by saying the word Santi Sarvatra, you see them there, huh? uh, Yuktam Santi Sarvatra, they say here, uh, the words Santi Sarvatra in this verse indicate that all material elements are found within, within each other in gross and subtle forms. So there's this kind of interpenetration so that's very interesting. You, when you when you actually look at Sankhya, that's really what it's saying. Uh, and this now Krishna's statement here, thus succinctly put in two words: everything is everywhere. Every all things are in everything. Really, that's the sense of it. Huh? Uh, and so, below now, text seven through nine. Krishna will elaborate on this a little bit, so not just just this, but actually, as far as I can see, this is really a feature, one of one of the components of the general principle of a chincha beta beta tattva, which 
nothing is different from Krishna, yet Krishna is different from everything. In relationship to Krishna, there's energies, but there's also a sense there also where, uh, you know, because, because everything emanates from Krishna, and it has to do with the relationship between cause and effect. Cause and effect is a huge topic for philosophers, uh, Western and Eastern, causality. And like Buddhism is distinguished by saying that there can be that effects can be more than their causes. And if you think like that and you take it to extreme, everything comes from nothing. That's that's you know you could make make that account. You know, but anyway, uh, so uh, causality is a, a big topic everywhere. Uh, and uh, you know the, you'll also see this sense in which. Uh, this uh, uh, this uh, uh, unity and variety is is a, is a general feature of the of the whole universe. There's differences, and also there's different kinds of differences. There's differences, and then there's different differences. <laughs> so it gets a little complicated. Anyway, so this is uh, what they say here. Uh, all material elements are found within each other in gross and subtle forms. This, we hope, will be clear. Uh, uh, the way this is translated by uh, 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 by Banu Swami, following Sridhar Swami's, uh, Sridhar Swami's, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur Swami's commentary, uh, he says, Lord Krishna replies, because all material elements are present in the other elements. All these sages speak the truth. They're not exactly wrong. Uh, there's a difference between being true and being incomplete. Yeah, but anyway, you can be their truth. And then he goes on, it is not difficult, this is the translation, for disputants who have taken shelter of my maya to argue. Uh, but that's this idea that it's not, it's not difficult, not impossible. They've taken shelter of my maya. Then, then sure, they're going to disagree. If they're all right, why do they disagree with each other? Uh, so Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur says, actually, there is no quarrel among the sages. The sages speak the truth since all the elements are within all the other elements. Then you can ask, why is there a dispute at all? If that's so, why are they arguing? There is bewilderment from my maya. My maya gives the ability to accept this maya and dispute as long as the sun and moon exist. So the maya isn't necessarily that they differ, but they argue. That's what he says. They love to argue. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, the, the nature of scholarship is, is kind of, you know, in a boxing match, somebody has to come out the winner and somebody has to be a, a, a loser. In football games, somebody has to win and somebody has to lose. On the scholarly platform, it's just a subtle form of the same kind of combat. 
So somebody can be winner and somebody can be loser. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in his early Leela played the part of such a scholar, going around defeating everybody else and saying, I'm better. He's making fun of them, actually, in, in his in a humorous way, by just playing that part. And then, then, then that was his, his take, because he, he was born and grew up in what is basically, you know, uh, Navadweep was the Oxford and Cambridge uh, uh, of India at that time, and people came from all over to take part in these things, and so they were continually battling each other. And and and, uh, and so Lord Chaitanya, if you read especially Chaitanya Bhagavan, you see that 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 Mahaprabhu in his young time was parodying them in a, in a way, uh, because you know I can defeat you, and you know you can defeat this anyway. So. Uh, so, uh, so the uh, the BBT uh, purport to this. Uh, well, I read from the book. He says, um, I said it, the, the word "santi sarvatra" in this verse indicate that all the material elements are found within each other in gross and subtle forms. In this way, there are innumerable ways to categorically. Uh, describe them. You can, your categories can divide up the rea- slice of reality into many feasible parts. The material world is ultimately illusory, undergoing constant transformation. It may be measured in different ways, just as the mirage of an oasis may be described in different ways. But the Lord's own analysis of 28 elements is perfect and should be accepted. Yeah, we, that's the one. You know, uh, uh, who's the sage among all sages? You know, the, uh, the Lord. We, we should accept that. Then, interestingly, now they, they say something. They, they count, they, Srila Jiva Goswami states that the word maya in this verse, maya madhya, my maya, does not refer to maha maya or the potency of ignorance, but to the Lord's inconceivable mystic power which shelters the learned followers of Vedic knowledge. It's an interesting distinction uh, that, that, that it's a, sort of a different form of maya. There's a special, seems from this comment, there's a certain mystic power that's exclusively used to shelter the learned followers of Vedic knowledge. In other words, these are people who all accept the Vedas, the, these rishis, what makes them rishis they're, they're astikyam. It's one of the qualities of a Brahmin, you may remember. The qualities of a Brahmin, one of them is astikyam. Astikyam. They say it is. They accept the authority of the Vedas. Having accepted the authority of the Vedas, do you think everybody agrees? No. Uh, much disagreement. Although they're astikyam. There are others, like the, the Buddhists, the Jains, they're Nastika. Uh, which is translated in the Gita as atheist, but the, but in the strictest sense of the term, they do not accept the authority of the Vedas. Uh, but anyway, so they they those people who are the learned followers of Vedic knowledge, they're under this kind of inconceivable mystic power, which is not exactly the same as it's a special mystic power. <laughs> confuses them. So then so. So it says here, they explain this, 
Each of the philosophers mentioned here reveals a particular aspect of the of truth, and their theories are not contradictory since they are simply describing the same phenomena with different categorical systems. Because if they follow the Vedas, they're going to accept that uh, uh, everything comes from Brahma. That, that, that they will not say that everything comes from nothing. Such philosophical disagreement is endless within the material world. It never, never comes to an end. Thus, everyone should be united on the platform of the Lord's own opinion, which Uddhava has sort of set it up that way. You have said there are 28, but now how do we deal with the fact that people who are also followers of the Vedas, how do we deal with that? Now, I want to point out to you that in the last chapter, we were also dealing with, there's a jnana kanda, karma kanda, the different things in variety in the Vedic paths. So, uh, so h- how do we reconcile that? So now here, just dealing with the Gyanakanda, the intellectuals, there's also more variety. How do we deal with that? Uh, so that, this is the, a kind of detailed investigation of, of, of this, this, this topic. And you, you, you can make it simple. Just accept what Krishna says. Sarvadharman put it, jaja ma may come You know, you can just do that. But you know, if that's not quite good enough for you, and you have more questions, you want to know. Okay, here the answers. So, everyone should unite on the platform of the Lord's own opinion, as stated in this verse. Similarly, in the Bhagavad Gita. Krishna requests all conditioned souls to give up their various forms of worship and surrender to him for Krishna consciousness becoming my devotees. He's saying in the Bhagavad Gita, if you study these different Vedic paths, you'll find out that they are, you follow them out all the way. They'll come to me in different ways. So just make a, a, a quick work of it and come to me directly. You give them up. You give them up and come to me directly. You just make a quick work of it. That's all. That's, that's since they're coming to me. And if you think giving up a Vedic path that I'm attached to, or you know, my parents gave me, will cause a sinful reaction, don't worry. I'll protect you. Moksha is shami says, don't worry. You'll be under my shelter now. So if, if, you, if you, you, know, you leave your teacher to follow me or you, you don't do what your daddy says or any of those other sins, you know, you'll be okay. This is what Okay. Uh, thus the whole universe can be united in love of God by chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. By the Lord revealing himself to a sincere devotee, the controversy of analytical philosophy is ended. That's the PDT's purport on this thing. But here, you know, it's it's discussed in in, in detail in this way. Uh, uh, 
So now uh, we come to text number uh, five. Uh, uh. Uh, so again, remember, Vishnu, it's not so much, it's not Maya so much that they differ, but Maya that they dispute about it. They don't really want to come to agreement. In academic life, agreement ends your career. You have to have your own unique individual opinion, your special contribution. So it's the ground rules. Apparently you can't agree. So then text five, uh, they go, uh, 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 Krishna continues here. Uh, He says, Nayatat evam yatatatvam yadaham vachmi tattata evam vivadatam hitum shaktayo me duratyayaha. When philosophers argue, uh, I don't don't choose uh, to analyze this particular case in the same way that you have, uh, it is simply my own insurmountable energies that are motivating their analytic disagreements. So this is where he, he explains this. Huh? Uh, so they, 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 this is na eta tvam yata yata ata tvam yat aham vajtata. Uh, so when you say this, I don't choose to analyze this particular case in the same way that you have. He's saying uh, uh, those that argue in this way uh, over causes, uh, it is shaktaya me duratyaya, my uh, insurmountable energies. That's this this uh, this shakti shaktaya, the uh, energies in the plural my shaktis that are duratyaya, insurmountable. You may remember this word from a verse we written, this Bhagavad Gita 7.14. This energy of mine, of the gunamayi, of my guna, made of my guna, the three gunas, excuse me, mama maya, uh, that is uh, the three modes is Duryajaya. Uh, you cannot overcome it or uh, insurmountable. But those who surrender to me, Krishna says, they can easily cross beyond it. So here, this this Shakti, you can see why Jiva Goswami is talking about this Shakti. That's also you 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 can't. They are not able to overcome it uh, it, it either. Uh, 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 so here, the other translation by Banu Swami. When philosophers argue, I don't choose to analyze this particular case in the same way that you have. The cause of their arguments is my insurmountable shakti called avidya. Uh, he calls it avidya. Huh? Yeah, he calls it avidya. He says that this translation follows his commentary. Dispute is graphically portrayed. In their disputes, the cause is the action of my energy. This means it is my shakti called avidya. 
which takes the form of their various disputes. So again, they're not exactly wrong, but that seems like the avidya causes this inability to recognize the validity that the other may have. And then uh, Vishnu Chakravarti quotes uh, Bhagavatam 6.4.31, which is then followed uh, in the same way here in the, in, in the, in the, in the DBT uh, purport, uh, which says, because of the material potencies of the Supreme Lord, mundane philosophers are perpetually arguing about which came first, the chicken or the egg. That's the usual example of a fruitless argument. Uh, Not from Vedic culture, but from the Western culture. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Uh, By the influence of the modes of goodness, passion, and ignorant, so here now, here they revert to the normal maya, but they say that, you know, Jiva Goswami has got a little twist on it. Um, uh, different philosophers are attracted to different views. It seems to me if they're all Vedic sages, the disagreement should be sort of pretty much confined to majorly the mode of goodness. But anyway. But if they like to win, obviously there's a mode of passion in there somewhere. If they enjoy it. You know, you ever see these boxers in the ring and they win and they have this big elaborate belt that they, they hold up and everybody cheers, you know. The same thing, just different mode. Um, you know, Nobel Prize or whatever, you know, I'm the winner. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I've been, I've been in that group. Um, uh, uh, and by the influence of the material atmosphere created by the, the, the Lord, these philosophers perpetually disagree with one another. The Supreme Lord himself, however, has given the clear explanation. Now they quote the same verse, uh, 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 6431. The Prophet often quotes this verse. Let me offer my respectful obeisances unto the all-pervading Supreme Personality of Godhead who possesses unlimited transcendental uh, uh, qualities, acting from within the core of the hearts of all philosophers who propagate various views. He causes them to forget their own souls uh, while uh, sometimes agreeing and sometimes disagreeing among themselves. This is stated in the 664.31. Thus he creates within the material world a situation in which they are unable to come to a conclusion. I offer my respectful evasions under him. If you look up uh, 6431, Prabhupada says, since time immemorial, or since the creation of the cosmic manifestation, uh, the conditioned soul has formed various parties of philosophical speculation, uh, by, uh, but this is not true of the devotees. 
Non-devotees have different ideas of creation, maintenance, and annihilation, and therefore they, they are called, uh, uh, the non-devotees are called vadis and prativadis, proponents and counter-proponents. Proponents are op- op- opponents. Yeah. It is understood from the statement of the Mahabharata that there are many munis or speculators. And then he quotes Tariko Pratishta Shutayo Vibhinam. You know this one. This is spoken by Yudhishthira Maharaj. Uh, it's, you find it in the Mahabharata. And if you want to see Prabhupada's whole translation of it, uh, the reference is quoted by Mahaprabhu uh, in Madhya Leela uh, 17.186. Uh, uh, Tariko Pratishta. This is, uh, 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 this is spoken by Maharaj when he encounters a yaksha who asks him some riddles. And the yaksha asks him, what is the panta? What is the path? Uh, and so this was Maharaj Yudhisthira's uh, reply to this, this, this question of the yaksha. Uh, Tariko Pratishta Shutayo Vibhina Nasavrisha Yasha Matam Nabinam Dharmasya Tatvam Nihitam Guhayam Mahajano Yiragata Sapanta. Often quoted by Prabhupada. Uh, how do we know which is the right way to go? So the first thing he says, Tarika Apratishta. Tarika means argument. Uh, dry argument, Prabhupada translates it. Dry argument are. Apratishta, inconclusive. Now, pratishta means foundation. Uh, no support. Now, this is really quite true of deductive logic. You know, uh, 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 you have a valid argument in, in logic. Uh, and, you know, take the standard example you learn in an elementary philosophy class. Uh, this is a valid uh, logical argument, modus ponens. Uh, all men are mortal. Socrates is a man. Therefore, Socrates is mortal. Right? That's a valid argument. Valid argument means, however, if the premises are true, then it is sure and certain that the conclusion is true. A valid deductive argument. It's completely valid. What if that tells you is the price you have to pay for denying the conclusion. So suppose I'm Socrates and I don't like the conclusion. I can say, how do you know all men are mortal? Have you seen all of them? Or how do you know I'm a man? Maybe I'm a god or whatever, you know. So that's the trouble. So then if you've got a valid argument and you want to support then you've got to have another argument to support that one. And that argument will also require, you know. So even though it's a valid deductive argument by the laws of logic, which no one seems to disagree with those, you know, those, those kind of... Uh, inductive is different. In an inductive argument, say, all crows are black, all you can do is say, I've seen this crow and that crow, I've this man, that, this one died, this one died, that one died, that one died, that one died... And therefore, all men are mortal. You just count. But since you can't count them all, you can say, well, you know, maybe I'm an exception. I've met people who thought they were exceptions, by the way. Uh, uh, so 
you know, that's inductive. So there's always been an induction problem. Western logic, inductive reasoning was always a, the weak point of, of, of things, you know. But no one argues about, no one disagrees with deduction. But, you know, that's the problem. So this is why Tarka Pratishta. It's not fixed. This is a strict understanding of that one. And Shrutaya Vedina. You go to scripture, the Shrutis, they're divided. It has different departments. Uh, 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 there's the karma kanda, the jnana kanda, the, 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 the upasana kanda. Different descriptions are there. So you create one scripture, somebody can come up with another argument from another scripture. What do we do then? So therefore, Maharaj Yudhisthira said, and shrutayo vivina. And then, and no one can be considered a rishi unless he has his own opinion. If you, you have, if you don't have a separate opinion, you're not a rishi. This is our point that's right here today. So if you go to the great sages, well, each one has got a different opinion. What do we do? So then he says, Dharmasya tattvam nikitam guhayam uh, the, the truths of dharma, the tattva of dharma, is placed guhayam, confidentially. We're here to the heart of a realized person. They said that guya means, it's, it's esoteric, in a secret place. A guya also means cave or heart. They're nested in the hearts of who? Mahajanoyenagatasapanta. So the path, is that path which is followed by the great uh, sages. Uh, here's how Prabhupada translates it. Dry arguments are inconclusive. A great personality whose opinion does not differ from others is not considered a great sage. Simply by studying the Vedas, which are variegated, one cannot come to the right path by which religious principles are understood. The solid truths of religion, dharmashyatattvam, of religious principles, is hidden in the heart of an unadulterated and self-realized person. Consequently, as the Shastras confirm, one should accept whatever progressive paths the Mahajanas uh, advocate. And then there's nine Mahajanas. So, in the previous verse to this, uh, Lord Chaitanya has been... is telling the story of Madhavendra Puri Goswami in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. So the previous verse, he says, a devotee's behavior establishes the true purport of religious principles. The behavior of Madhavendra Puri Goswami is the essence of such religious principles. And then he quotes this verse from the, from the Mahabharata. And we're following, you know, Lord Chaitanya <laughs> And then Krishna has Kaviraj and so on, and uh, that's uh, this comes. So that's why this uh, this uh, is, is quoted here. Uh, 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 so uh, of course, unless there's uh, unanimity about who the Mahajans are. Yeah, well, you can, you know, but ultimately, yeah, that that's why basically there's a, there is an act of faith. Uh, and what, how, how do, what, how do you see the collect placement of faith? It's not random. The, 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 the faculty or the agency that we have for the 
correct placement of faith is called buddhi. According to the Bhagavad Gita. And Krishna says, the dami buddhi yogam tam, I give them the buddhi by which they can come to me. Uh, because people think that faith is blind. But no, there, there's an educated faith. And you can, you, can, you can be, a person can be very competent on the mental platform, on the platform of manas, but be completely deranged on the buddhi platform. I've seen this. Really, really smart people who are fixated on something stupid they don't have good judgment. And what's the foundation of sound judgment? So, so it's a very interesting that the Bhagavad Gita, which is actually, Prabhupada says, it's on the, it's on the platform of intelligence. Prabhupada says there's the platform of the, the, the culture of the mind, the culture of the body, culture of the mind, culture of intelligence, and culture of the soul. And he says the culture of the, uh, 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 of the body is all around us. Things to make your body feel good or do things this way. Then the culture of the mind, there are restaurants, there are health spas, there are gymnasiums, all these things, the culture of the body. The culture of the mind is in our universities where all the, the you know, the, and where they uh, play with ideas. They accept and reject different ideas. Typically, uh, one thing is in for a while. I'm just reading, you know, in, uh, in, in different uh, 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 departments of religion and philosophy for many, for the 70s and 80s, something, even the 90s, something called theory introduced by French thinkers was the fad. And now everybody's been busy rejecting that and going away from it. So they do for a while. We're all doing this. And then after a while, it becomes passe. And really they change ideas like fashions change. You don't know why, but sometimes if you're a man, you have to have a wide tie, you have to have a narrow tie, you have to have these lapels, that lapels, or whatever you, know, you can wear or not wear. Women's fashion also, hemlines go up and down, and nobody knows why. So the same thing happens, believe me, in the intellectual sphere. And the worst, most devastating thing you can say to an academic is, oh, we don't do that anymore. It's as simple as that. It's, it's out of fashion. And everybody hob, hops on the next thing. They play with it for some time, and then they get sick of it and go on to the next thing. This is the mental platform. He says, the culture of buddhi is Bhagavad Gita. That's, that book is the culture of intelligence. Prabhupada describes this. And so you don't, you don't get to that. And then the culture of the soul proper, he says, is the uh, Srimad Bhagavatam. So very few people ever get to the platform of buddhi. And so Krishna says, you know, you find how much buddhi and buddhi yoga is mentioned, and Prabhupada treats it as synonymous with Krishna consciousness. So we, we have an authority, we have Srila Prabhupada, who follows from the six Goswamis, who follows from Lord Chaitanya. And that's where we ultimately place our faith. But it's not blind, because look, you have the whole Bhagavad Gita where Krishna describes it, and if you want to go even deeper, there's the Bhagavatam. Uh, 
And if you reject it, it means you're accepting some more authorities. On what grounds do you accept this authority or that authority? You have to accept some your own mind. That's usually the worst. Anyway, this is a big topic, the correct profession of faith. But at least we, now we have something that, that at least, to me, I never discovered anywhere in, in mundane thinking was this idea of what buddhi yoga and what buddhi is, this, this faculty called buddhi, which is not recognized very often. And very rarely in a philosopher do you get a philosopher who touches on it. Some do. Some do come to that. Uh, 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 but uh, they uh, doesn't ever doesn't know how to how, how to how to how to cultivate this, because ultimately Prabhupada describes buddhi as the form in which the super soul gives us direction. When they go to me, I do it. He says in the Bhagavad Gita, and when they turn away from me, I do it. Uh, uh, and so that going toward Krishna, going away toward Krishna, is really it is the uh, in the form of buddhi. I, I give the, Prabhupada puts it, I give the intelligence to remember and I give the intelligence to forget. That remembrance and turning aside a pohanam or, or uh, uh, the opposite, shoving aside or following Krishna, uh, smitti, remembrance and forgetfulness. Yeah, in that, that verse, Bhagavad Gita verse, I forget the number. Remembering and forgetting Krishna is, and so Prabhupada often says, by, by Krishna's mercy, we remember him, and by his mercy, we forget. We want to forget, Krishna gives the intelligence to forget, and therefore there are so many arguments, there is no God, God is dead. And as once, so ultimately it's, it's our decision, what we want to do. Anyway, there, there's a long purport here uh, that... that uh, is there in 6.4.31 on this topic by Srila Prabhupada. We don't have time, but I, I suggest that in your own time you read Srila Prabhupada's purport uh, to this, uh, uh, that verse that's uh, quoted in the, in the, the DBT. One interesting way to, stu- to, to, to study Bhagavatam is just follow the purports and look up the verse that are cited in the purports. Uh, and... Uh, 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 you'll you'll find it very enlightening. So that's why uh, uh, this uh, they've quoted six four thirty one, and there's there, there's a lot that Prabhupada says about that. Because we've just got two more minutes now, and I thought I'd get a little farther. Uh, let's see if I should try to do. Yeah, I think let's go look at uh, six just so we can. Uh, 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 Krishna says, Yasham Vyaktakarad Asit Vikalpo Vaditam Padam Tapte Shama Dame Pieti Vadastam Anusham Shati Shamyati Shamyati. By the interaction of my energies, Yasham, of those which were mentioned in those energies. Vyatikarat uh, by their interaction, uh, there has arisen vikalpa. Uh, we discussed this word earlier. Dif- here, differences of opinion. Uh, kalpa vikalpa. So disagreement or differences of opinion. Uh, uh, 
those arguing. Vadatam padam. The subject padam here means the subject matter and discussion. But prapte, when one has achieved shama and dhame, uh, uh, these these disappearance, these these differences of opinion, apyeti disappears, uh, and consequently vada, the the subject of the argument itself, uh, shamshati, it goes down. Mm-hmm. By interaction of my different opinions. Uh, 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 Arise with those who have fixed their intelligence on me and controlled the senses, the differences of perception disappear, and consequently the very cause for argument uh, disappears. Now, of course, the word for shama here and dhamma, you know, there's the Brahmina shama, dhamma, tapasocha. Shama means control of the mind and control of the senses. These are the first two Brahminical qualities in the Bhagavad Gita, Shama, Dhamma. Uh, the ability to fix the intelligence on me. So here, that uh, uh, meaning of Shama comes from uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. Uh, he says, uh, 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 he says, by c- connection with the Antakarana, Antakarana, uh, the uh, internal cause, you can say, which is the, another word for the subtle body or the mind. By connection with the antakarana, variety arises in the topics of the philosophers. It is like this or that. It is not like this and not like that. And then he says, shama means having one's intelligence fixed on the Lord. When their intelligence becomes fixed on the Lord and their senses are under control. When ahankara has been destroyed, because that's the result of shama, dhamma, and stapa, socham, you know, when it's fulfilled, when those things are carried out uh, thoroughly, the variety disappears, all doubt is destroyed, sarva samshaya is gone, uh, all doubts then all argument ceases. That's his... uh, 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 And in context, this is the purport of Shama Dhamma. Uh, The argument itself dissolves. uh, And uh, uh, the BBT says, uh, uh, conflicting varieties of perception or are created by the interaction of the Lord's material energies and the minds of different philosophers who staunchly defend their opinion, stating this may be the case or perhaps that or the other. Uh, this may not be the case. Perhaps that is not the case. This is due to some degree of false ego is there, the desire to be right and not wrong, uh, and to want to keep your, you know... Uh, Disagreements going. Such logical, logical, rational proposing, doubting, counter-proposing, counteracting, etc., takes thousands of different forms and becomes the basis of argument. There's no end of it. Uh, and we see it also sometimes in our movement. There are people who just simply always got to be different. And, you know, there's like a, outside the temples, you go to Mangalarti, some big temple, they'll be sitting outside the temple 
the various devotees arguing and disagreeing and agreeing and quoting verses and that. And the one guy knows. I got. I remember one time such a dis- dispute was going on in Krishna consciousness, and one guy said to, to me, "I'm going to talk to him. I got my quotes. I got my quotes." And the other side, they have, they're they talking about quotations from Srila Prabhupada, right? I got my quotes. And it's like a quote snowball fight, you know, with each other. They, they, one guy throws their quotes, the other guy throws their quotes, and they go on fighting, you know? Nobody wins. There's something wrong with the method. There's not an agreement to sit around and find out, you know, why Prabhupada said this in this context, and why is it that in that context, and how do we, har- if there are apparently disagreements, let's look at it and find out the truth. No, I got my quotes, because I've already decided this, and somebody, I got my quotes. But there's a real quotation from a guy who had a list of, I got my quotes. He had his idea what the truth was already. He got his quotes. They had their idea of what Prabhupada said. They got their quotes. Uh, I've seen it. That's a real, from real life. Actually, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, uh, Lord Krishna, the, the basis of all existence, and since everything emanates from the Lord, is maintained by the Lord, and in the end merges to rest within the Lord. Lord Krishna is Paratattva, the highest truth underlying all other dependence truth. In a society of learned persons who have understood the personality of God to be everything, there is no further cause of philosophical quarrel. Such unity of opinion is not based on the absence of philosophical inquiry, nor on the stifling of rational discussion, but is the natural result of spiritual enlightenment. This we should see. Uh, so-called philosophers proudly boast they are searching and researching for the absolute truth, yet they somehow consider someone who has found the absolute truth to be less intelligent than one who has not found it but is searching. Well, this is the common opinion. They're smarter than the guys who have come to some, some conclusion. Uh, uh, because Lord Krishna is the absolute truth, one who fully surrenders to the Lord becomes the most learned uh, Person. So that's the that's the, their purport on this. So uh, uh, then uh, we will see here uh, with text seven. Uh, uh, they begin to explain uh, here. Uh, we'll, we'll have, we won't be able to get into it, but here in text seven uh, and eight. The two verses now, there's the explanation of how uh, a more detailed account of what was earlier mentioned in verse 4 about how the, uh, each, uh, each element includes all the other elements. So Krishna will talk about that, this, this kind of mutual inclusion of different things according to the Vedic understanding of causality, how, 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 it's, how you can... How you can and, slice up the pie different ways and not be wrong entirely, have good reasons for it. Uh, so we'll, uh, and you know, you can, uh, at least for these people who are enumerating the elements in that particular field, we, we, sh- we, we should, should not be worried about disagreement, about people who accept that all things come from one. Everything emanates from Brahman. Uh, ultimately, 
uh, there there should be uh, there should be agreement uh, on the, this matter. So we'll have to uh, take up again with. Uh, uh, I'd hope to get farther, but uh, anyway, text number uh, will will I'll mark this so we begin next class with uh, text number seven and eight. They go together uh, with. Uh, uh, describing this uh, 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 thing, and then uh, uh, yeah, uh, Krishna then sums up his 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 own judgment uh, on this matter in text number nine, and then uh, uh, then then uh, slight change of. Uh, uh, Krishna mentions the uh, the uh, his own relationship uh, to the conditioned soul, which is relevant here also uh, in ten and eleven, and then from twelve to eighteen, he'll give his own account, uh, which Uddhava has already mentioned, of the twenty-eight elements of creation, and you might as well accept Krishna's. At least it will be the most useful. <laughs> uh, even if some other Rishis are not exactly wrong, but they say something different. Still, Krishna has given his opinion. Okay, so we'll stop there. Thank you very much. Let me, let me now open this up for questions and answers, and hopefully some answers. And, uh, so what I'm going to do is um, switch my phone here to... Uh, so that those people who call in on their conference call uh, can uh, be heard by everybody here. Let me make sure the volume is up thoroughly. Okay, the Q&A session has started, and then the people who are uh, participating through Ustream, uh, they can text in their questions or comments and uh, uh, will be uh, vocalized uh, to all of us uh, by uh, Shraddha. And the people on the conference called press star six that you put in the question queue. Okay, star six for you guys on the conference call, audio only. The star six queue. Mahavidya asks, could you please explain more about the cultures of the intelligence and the soul? How to be properly engaged in them being simultaneously inflicted with the other two? Well, it's a gradual process. Uh, the, the, they say that the Bhagavad Gita is, is the culture of intelligence because the end result of the Bhagavad Gita, you've given up all other dharmas and you surrender to Krishna. And then the Bhagavatam begins, Sarva Dharma, it begins, Dharma Projita Kaitavo Atra Paramo Niramatsara, having given up these Kaitava Dharma. Then one comes, comes uh, accepts this this Bhagavatam and, and and surrenders. So it begins that you have uh, given up uh, kaitava dharma, dharma projita kaitavo atra paramo nirmat saranam satam. For if you be thoroughly pure and honest devotees who have done that, this Bhagavatam now propounds the highest truth. So Bhagavatam, Bhagavad Gita, takes you to the point of uh, surrender to Krishna. Sarva Dharma, you give up all the other dharmas. And now that you've done it, now you have this interest way into the uh, 
the highest, you know, the private life of Krishna. Of course, Krishna also, Bhagavatam, also covers the topics that are in the Bhagavad Gita. And, of course, the Bhagavad Gita gives you also some taste of the Bhagavatam, not fully. I mean, there, there, there's only uh, not, not explicit hints about Krishna's Vrindavan Leela or anything like that in the, in, 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 uh, in the, uh, the, the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, but uh, it uh, it brings you to that to that point. There were, there's a little more to it than that. Uh, uh, but that that's why one is called uh, the one is the preparatory You like big words to the, the Bhagavatam. The, the, the Bhagavad Gita is considered. So Prabhupada says that the culture of the of the intelligence, which the correct uh, uh, ultimate intelligence leads you to surrender to Krishna. Then you've then you've you you've accomplished that and then you continue on further having surrendered to Krishna. You're then eligible for full entrance into the into the, the Gita. Of course Prophet has us do both simultaneously. But that's actually the the the, the, the sequence. And and it's true because because uh, the Bhagavad Gita is in simple Sanskrit and it contains everything in a condensed form. And it's not once you've reached Bhagavatam, you, you give up on the Gita. Uh, there's some people that claim that, by the way, but Prabhupada and our Acharyas, no, do you, now you really under, understand the, the Bhagavad Gita. Through, and that Sarvadan Manpurijaja, you can read Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur's commentary on it, and there's a subtle reference to conjugal rasa. The, the, the gopis give up Sarva Dharma right there. Husbands <laughs> come to Krishna, you know. They or give up their clothes, you know. They they break, they transgress ordinary Dharma in order to come completely to to to, to Krishna. Uh, so that's you know you, he reads it on he can read it in that level too. If you're there, it's good for you. If you're not there, you better wait uh, a little while until you're completely free from mundane sex desire to enter in, 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 into that, that, that what he sees in the, in, in, in the Bhagavad Gita. Um, uh, so, did that answer the question? Uh, no. Question? Uh, no more studio audience? Yeah, you you read there that it's mentioned that this debate or disagreement will be there as long as the sun and the moon are there. Is that a is that saying that as long as material creation is there, or is it saying as long as there's duality like night and day, or like the yin and yang, or what? What is it? He said in this purport, I believe he's talking about as long as the material creation is manifest. There'll be some disagreement. Is your friend the material? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there, there's, uh, uh, yeah. He says as long as the sun and the moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there'll, there'll be, uh, there'll be disagreement. Yeah. Uh, like, like that. Sure. I was going to think of something, but now it's gone out of my head. What? Uh, Oh, what this, this this goes on! Yeah, it all, all ends there. There's an interesting thing you might like to read. Prabhupada's uh, uh, discussions with Professor Kotovsky and, and uh, talking about how you know, he talks about this one revolution after another, 
and and uh, and, uh, and Prabhupada gives the example uh, that no revolution will come to an end. He said, and he gives the example of uh, of a crying child. A child is crying, and people are trying to soothe the crying child. So people are discontent and unhappy and unsatisfied, and it's passed from one person to another. And finally, when it comes to the mother, in the mother's arms, the child is quiet. So when we go back to Krishna, where we really belong, then we will be satisfied. Otherwise, there will always be something uh, to, to, to make us unsatisfied. <coughs> That's, so, uh, the, because, you know, when arguments get, get political, that is to say it involves, uh, it involves power when it's an argument between capitalist philosophy and communist philosophy, you know, then somebody has the result to force. Uh, an argumentum ad baculum. And so it's another form of vada samvada, uh, you know, vada prativada, you know, going on with, uh, in, in the political sphere. That's, uh, that's the final, another kind of disagreement. Gail has a question on the phone. Okay, Gail. Yeah. Hi, Krishna. Hi, Krishna. <clears throat> this is Gail. Yeah. Um, I, just I think this is up all the way. Excuse me? Speak up a little louder, please. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I just wanted to get some clarification on the distinctions between um, the, the, the intelligence that we call buddhi and um, what and mundane intelligence. You know, when we say that, you know, in the mundane world, when we say that a person is intelligent, are we saying more that <clears throat> they have a good ability to um, grasp and understand concepts, whereas when we when we speak of intelligence in the Krishna conscious context, we are saying that a person um, has a good understanding of wh- where is the best place to place his faith. Is yeah, that's part of it. I think so. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, the, the, this idea of buddhi, because 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 um, you you may find, you know, that that, that people uh, whose whose lives are entirely misdirected by common conclusion, like the Unabomber. That guy was brilliant. You know, the guy was very, uh, like, uh, his IQ score was very high. But, but he used his IQ to sit in a little shack somewhere and send bombs out to various people. Uh, so you may, you, you may find very intelligent psychopaths, for example, uh, sociopaths who are really, really smart. In fact, uh, often psychopaths are at least successful ones are quite are quite quite capable of functioning in the material world in in in, in, in a certain way. Uh, they have what what we call intelligence is the ability of the mind to function in a certain way. But 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 you always find that 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 people have brilliantly argued things that that turn seem to other people to be totally crazy. Uh, and uh, 
They're great arguments. If you like, you know, if you like the internet, you can follow these people. Uh, 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 and some some people, you know, the atheist argument. There there there's really bright people making the argument for atheism, and there's really bright people making the argument for theism. They both may be on the mental platform. Uh, because it's it's not just, but 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 really. Uh, if you look at any of these arguments, you will see that ultimately what it comes down to, uh, there, somebody has accepted something on faith. It's not just that we have made an act of faith. That, that you may say that I believe in God, that's an act of faith. Believing there's not a God is equally an act of faith. Because there are absolutely, you know, there's other, there's other people who are indecided, but, and that's another mental platform. But 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 so somewhere because some people who believe that there is no truth they believe that absolutely they're convinced the truth is there is no truth and they're, 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 they they don't doubt their own doubting they believe in it firmly they're convinced they're certain there's no truth but if they really believe that then they would doubt that there is that maybe there is a truth. And then they have to become open again, and then they're all nervous and upset because people like to have some certitude. It's built into the soul. We have to surrender to something. You cannot not surrender. And we are open to the fact that we have surrendered to Krishna. Other people are in denial that they have committed an act of faith. Even if their deep conviction is there is no conviction, they believe it certainly. And that's, that's an act my, of faith because there's no, they can't produce proof, physical proof? Is that why it's an act of faith? There's no proof for it. There's, uh, what, what proof can you produce? Mm-hmm. What proof did you produce? I mean, this is my own, my, my, my own experience, I have to say, that before I was a devotee and I counted Krishna consciousness, uh, and I had already accepted you know, modern historical relativ- relativism and everything like that, and then, you know, when I got into uh, Prabhupada, it was like a whole different, coherent worldview. And I, I discovered that, that uh, when I would give a doubt for Krishna consciousness, the reasons for doubting Krishna consciousness, those very reasons themselves had to be doubted. There, there was no... That, that, that to give an argument against Krishna consciousness, I discovered those arguments presupposed already not accepting Krishna consciousness. That, that there was no, I couldn't find any presupposition that didn't already assume that you know modern historical relativism was true, or that didn't already assume that Krishna consciousness was true, and that therefore whether I accepted. Krishna consciousness or rejected Krishna consciousness, both those were an act of faith. I couldn't find any neutral ground because in that decision, all grounds were at stake. And then when I was in that state, I just accepted Krishna consciousness and it seemed to me that I had the experience of the hand of Krishna, the invisible hand of Krishna putting me there and that was some kind of manifestation of super soul. That was my experience. 
in my choice. And I was, you know, I found myself at one point praying to a God I didn't believe in to give me faith to believe in him during that process. So you're, you're how saying... Can I, I thought, how could I be praying to God for faith to believe in him when I didn't believe in God? But I was doing it. Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up because I've, I've, I mean, I've heard you say this a few times before and I've always wanted clarification. So you're saying that then you, if in, in, in trying to, let's say, um, test the veracity of Krishna consciousness, that required um, faith in, in, the, in the opposing arguments, or, and if you wanted to test the opposing arguments, that, it's like that required faith in Krishna consciousness. You not just test them, but accept them. Yeah, right. Yeah, anytime I tried to, uh, 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 tried to give reasons for rejecting the materialistic viewpoint of things, it was, I felt uh, to say that this counts as a good reason already presupposed uh, Krishna consciousness. Mm-hmm. Well, if if I if I if I if I reject the idea. Uh, of, uh, uh, that, that the material world is enjoyable, that's because I understand that there's something better. Is it the best I can do? I, yeah. Will I be happy? Will I be satisfied simply by material enjoyment? I didn't believe so. Uh, should, uh, why do I want to be satisfied? Why, you know, why can't, if, if I'm made of matter, why should I be satisfied with matter? Well, I'm dissatisfied because, uh, Prabhupada says, our dissatisfaction with material or with the temporary is, is evidence that we are eternal because there's a contrast because we are eternal. So that counts as an argument. Well, it counts as an argument because, you know, Prabhupada gave that argument. I couldn't, I couldn't find something, you know, that didn't already presuppose one or the other. That's just one example. I'm trying to remember back into those days now, but it was something like that. Mm-hmm. And but somebody else, you're just deluded. You know, you're just deluded. That's all. You're just brainwashed. They could say, "Well, what counts as brain? Why aren't they brainwashed? Because they have an act of faith. To say there is no God is as firm an act of faith as to say that there is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's truth. How do you choose? And that, that to me, is somehow or other depends on what Krishna does for you. If you want to forget him, Prabhupada says he gives you all facility to forget. And if you want to remember, he gives you all facility to remember. So when I start remembering him, I say that that facility is there. But when I start to forget him, well, naturally I can't say he's causing me to forget him because I've already denied him. It's just the truth. Yeah, and this brings me to this um, the the word buddhi. <clears throat> since it is yeah, created, that's what buddhi is. That's the, yeah, since that since gets you to the platform of buddhi. To understand what the platform of buddhi is, one has to have some experience of it. Those people who are on the mental platform cannot appreciate the buddhi platform. I have to say that. And those who haven't even been on the platform of the soul cannot, those on the buddhi platform, they get a foretaste of it because buddhi is at least 
some experience of Krishna in his Paramatma form. It's like seeing the sunlight, although you haven't seen the sun. And when you sun, you see the sun, you say, wow, that's where that comes from. So um, this word buddhi is not really a neutral term. I mean, if you identify, if you define buddhi as the, the intelligence that Krishna gives, since Krishna can either give you, you know, the intelligence to, to turn away from him or the intelligence to, to turn toward him, you know. But we define buddhi only as the intelligence to turn toward Krishna, not as the intelligence to turn away. No, no, away. The, 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 larger, the larger understanding of buddhi is your buddhi may be for or against. But when you turn toward Krishna, then buddhi develops further. You turn away, your buddhi is limited, and you're not aware of that platform of intelligence. Okay, so it's buddhi either way, but... Yeah, well, yeah, it's buddhi either way, but you cannot go any further, because buddhi acts on every living entity has buddhi. Every, li- every living being has uh, buddhi is, uh, working in them. It's part of the subtle body. In the human form of life, that buddhi is more evident. But, but if you come to the human platform and you do not engage in self-realization, then your buddhi will lead you to being just like an animal, eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. And you're right, it's no longer neutral because, as I said before, there is no such thing as neutral. Mm-hmm. So far as I understand, I said before, mundane thinkers and philosophers have very rarely come to the platform of buddhi. Uh, the, the, and when it's been understood, at least in a limited aspect, in fact, like the this book that I've talked about before, The Structure of Scientific Revolutions Within Science, who talks about paradigm shifts in science, he compares those paradigm shifts to religious conversion. You don't give, you, when you want to accept a new paradigm, it's almost as though you live in an, another world. Uh, uh, but that, uh, so, you know, there, there's, there's some degree of understanding what buddhi is. In, 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 a, in a limited sense, because because he compares this this uh, scientific revolutions. It's not just a project when you give up the idea of phlogiston theory and get, get to the atomic theory. That that seems to be a shift, something like Buddhi, and he compares it to religious conversion. You just live in one world and then you live in a different world. And, you know, the, the other theory worked for a while, and then it, there's places where it doesn't work, and then you accept a whole new paradigm, which is a new way of doing science. So that, to me, is some indication of somebody having some idea of the platform of buddhi and uh, certain uh, applications of it in, the, in intellectual life. Uh, uh, and anyway, there's a few other philosophers who sometimes get close, but not a full understanding of it as far as I'm concerned. 
Because really there's no, and he doesn't have a conception of booty at all, but, but he just said these certain things have taken place in, in the history of intellectual thought where people have had to make a leap of faith. It's a, you know, this is from Kierkegaard, uh, had this idea of the leap of faith. It, because there is this like something like jumping off a cliff. And when you accept Krishna consciousness, you've done it. If you fully, you know, get a full sense of what Krishna consciousness is and you reject it, you're also jumping off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you give reasons for jumping off the cliff after you've done it. Just as we've done it, and we give reasons for, for going in this direction. And if somehow it's the, the, the two worlds are incommensurate. You, you, can't, you can't fit them together. One is... One that we call Krishna consciousness and the other we call maya. And maya means that which is not, but maya looks very coherent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's disguised, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's not true, disguised as truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the best I can do. Yeah, that was very nice. Thank you, Maharaj. Okay. Anything else? This is a follow-up. Just so, isn't it, it seems like it's misleading to translate buddhi as intelligence. I mean... Yeah, the, right? he says it seems misleading to translate buddhi as intelligence. In a way, it's the best word around. Because we have associate intelligence with this IQ score and things like that, which is also, by the way, you know, dubious in many ways. But taking a certain standard examination is going to test something. But, uh, you know, if it, it may be a predictor of a certain degree of academic performance. But it doesn't uh, test sanity. And, and, and uh, booty has a component of what we would call sanity to it also. And, and, and those who are in Krishna consciousness view every materialist who thinks they're going to become happy by performing material activities as insane. Kaupad has called it a kind of insanity. So Buddhi has some aspect of what we have a department of sane or insane. Remember, uh, I mean, very, very, very smart, capable, highly educated, effective functioning people became devout followers of Adolf Hitler. That was a failure of Buddhi. Or Stalin. And one famous early communist, Alfred Kussler, wrote a book called about his romance and disillusionment with communism. The title of this famous book in the 30s, The God That Failed. The God That Failed. It was a replacement of faith. Even though Karl Marx said some very valuable and intelligent things about the workings of the world that many people hadn't noticed before. He may have had some points. And Hitler may have had some points too, but the way they put together their alternative was wow, from a Krishna conscious point of view, and from many people. In other words, if you see where they may have left. Of course, there are still Nazis, neo-Nazis, and there are still communists. And they say, yeah, you just didn't follow it out far enough. They still have faith. But those are, 
you know, those things are uh, uh, secular replacements for uh, abandoned religions. That somehow or other people, but still you want to have a religion, but now you have one that's a, a secular religion. Uh, those are those function that way. Communism. These the, the the word for them is ideologies. Can't remember the source, but there's a quote that uh, when you give a belief in God, it doesn't mean you don't believe in anything. It means you believe in believe in anything. Yeah, some when you give up or you believe in God, that means you can believe in anything, right? So people look for their substitutes for uh, abandoned or apparently failed religious faith, and they, they, they latch on to something else. I mean, there's a religion of pet kittens. I mean, they're all over the place. People have placed their faith in all kinds of stuff. That's one question. Earlier in one of the classes, you mentioned that the subtle body will be dissolved when we get back our spiritual form, when we get back home, back to Godhead. So in that sense, how important is Sankhya for devotees performing devotional service? Uh, well, it's just to explain, uh, so we can, we can understand, I, I, I guess, the importance of Sankhya, performing devotional service, uh, it's, 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 it's not that, Prabhupada said, we become mindless. If you want to just get rid of the subtle body by becoming mindless, then you're going to have a problem either. Because the, this, so our, our idea is to gross in subtle body become engaged in Krishna's service because, and then both the gross body and the subtle body become spiritualized. So because Krishna consciousness has been described by Srila Prabhupada as the re-spiritualization of matter, by engaging or dovetailing, as Prabhupada calls it, a gross and subtle body in Krishna's service, they become spiritualized. And then, as spiritualized as such, we then are able to also understand our true spiritual identity, and our spiritual identity doesn't mean we're disembodied or have no mind, but we have the spiritual body and the spiritual mind. We have a body like Krishna's. It's that, that the, there's no difference between the, the body and the soul, the soul and the body, the, uh, the intelligence and the mind, the mind and, the, and so on. It's one unified uh, entity. So we do that becoming by more becoming Krishna conscious. As long as we have a separate interest with Krishna, to that extent we have a material body and a material mind and a material intelligence. Here's a question coming from the earlier discussion. From Mahavridi, he asked, what makes people who don't accept God believe that they are not making a faith-based choice? Even if you accept logic, you have to believe certain assumptions. Yeah, well, I don't think they, th they like to think it through all the way. That's all. They accuse the other side of an act of faith. But we, they always say, you have faith, but we have reason. And that they just, just haven't uh, been philosophical enough to understand that 
a reason has to have some foundation. You have to have some premises. You accept something as faith. And what happens sometimes in reasonable people, they discover that there's an act of faith that they didn't know they had committed. And therefore you have a kind of intellectual revolution. And they, 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 everything we knew, like, like the theory of evolution right now is, is faith-based. And they don't want to admit that. Uh, but, but, you know, on the basis of a total conviction that evolution has to be true, because if evolution is, like in America, if evolution is wrong, then we all have to accept Jesus Christ in our heart as our personal Savior and have to become Texas Baptists. So, therefore, it's wrong, you know. Uh, the di- different, different things like that. It's, it, 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 but but to, to understand that the theory of evolution is, in fact, a theory and that it's based on certain presuppositions that you don't want, that you don't analyze and certain, uh, you know, it's a dogma rather than, than come, there's some dogma behind it. And some, some those things that are uh, supported are given as evidence that it's there. Uh, the, the greater theory of evolution that everything comes from nothing is, a, 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 you know, seems to me to be, uh, many people to be crazy, and they try to work away around that one, you know. But when it comes down to the ultimate faith, where does everything come from, they just, uh, we don't want to go there. That's a forbidden question. How does everything come from nothing? It's a mystery, uh, and so on. Uh, and, you know, then they may have recourse to Buddhist logic or something, uh, which wants to say that there, there can be effects without a cause. And you, that, that means you just accept it. But they don't, they don't usually like to critically deal with that so much because, you know, then that's a biggest pill to swallow is, is that there is a God, that everything comes from something. And then if you start thinking about what that something is, uh, anyway... Uh, where does that something come from? Well, you know, anyway, you come down to something that exists and that, that, that there is something that exists without the possibility of not existing. Well, that's at least you're talking about what's known as absolute truth. That's where you come down to it. Okay, that's it for today. And uh, we'll pick pick up again next time, which I hope will be next week with uh, with uh, text number seven. Thank you very much, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai.